Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I've got a guest and a co-host on the line with me. We're going to introduce them first, and then we're going to get to this episode's sponsor. So my co-host, I got Kelly Williams back on the show. Kelly, welcome back. Hi, Evan. Thanks for having me back. And Kelly's good to have on the show because we're going to be talking about Hyrox, which she's done two of the events and did the virtual one. Is that correct? That's correct. Since the last time we've had you on, give us a quick rundown of what you've been up to. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Kelly's been an elite competitor at World Toughest Mudder, finished, I can't remember how many miles, two years ago, even with a broken foot, and <laughs> other pretty impressive stuff. We've had her on the podcast, I believe, twice before. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure the last time I was on the podcast, but yeah, this past, I guess, fall of 2019, I did a few different Spartan races. Um, a beast, I believe, um, in Attica or Chicago. Um, and I typically run age group in those now, um, and finished first in that. Um, I did world's toughest mutter again this year, and I got five more miles than I did the year that it was freezing cold. Um, so that was a, a great experience. Once again, I think this year I finished in about the same spot, 11th or 12th female overall. And then in 2020, I have actually gotten to race like three times. It was very exciting. <laughs> I did Chicago High Rocks at the end of January, a trail race in February, and then another High Rocks event in Dallas at the end of February. Um, in Chicago, I did the open category at High Rocks because I had, it was my first time doing that event. And I finished first in my age group and then second female in the open division. So then when I really got the bug, so when Dallas came around, I was like, I want to race pro. So I went to the women's pro category and I finished um, 11th in Dallas and then um, first in my age group there. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's bring on our guest. Uh, this is episode is going to be a high rocks heavy episode, but we are going to be talking about some more traditional obstacle course racing towards the end. So joining us also on the podcast, we have Morgan Schultz. Morgan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Evan. So if you don't know Morgan, kind of new to the OCR scene in the last couple of years, but has already made some pretty big waves and pretty big impact. So I'm going to read you a couple of her highlights, and then we'll get into talking to her a little bit more. So she finished seventh at the Spartan North American Championships. So top 10 finish there, very impressive. Four first place finishes at elite Spartan races, three second place finishes, and we're in third place finish in 2019. So that's eight podiums overall, 2019. Very good year in Spartan alone. And then two more first place finishes at Tougher Mudder uh, races in 2019. She also finished second place in High Rocks, New York City, fourth place High Rocks, Chicago, and first place at High Rocks, Dallas in the doubles competition. So Morgan, yeah, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Evan. Um, I, like you said, talking about high rocks, that's my thing lately. Um, I figured I kind of I kind of transitioned a little bit more towards that side of OCR. Um, and once I heard about it, I kind of, you know, like bit bit the uh, bit the bug. Is that the is that the right term? I'm not sure, but you you, you got bit by the bug. The bug. <laughs> I got, 
okay, the bug, so the bug bit me. That, there we go. <laughs> yeah, and I just kind of started, uh, 2019 was my first year kind of uh, competitively doing OCR. Your results are insane already, right? Like, yes. I mean, first year, yes. oh, I just finished seventh in North America. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's not a big deal. That's, yeah, you that's know, awesome. <laughs> thank you. That was, uh, that was my first beast I ever did. And after the first, I would say the first two miles, I went out probably a little too hot. And I remember I found myself um, running next to Lindsay Webster. And I knew that at that point, like I was going to die. So it, was, <laughs> so it was like, you just have to hold on like 10 more miles. And I held on pretty well. Um, the only obstacle I failed there was the spear, just like most of my other races. But a lot of ladies were failing the spear too. So I found myself the top 10 towards the latter half of the race. And I kind of just held on and I surprised myself for sure. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, there's not many people who can even make the statement I found myself running next to Lindsay Webster. I mean, it's just <laughs> sure. like, it's just not a common statement across the board for like, not just for females, but across the board for like athletes <laughs> in the sport. So. Um, yeah, it was surreal. But I, at that moment I knew it was, it was not the smart move to continue running with her. <laughs> I, I got to admit. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, I, I want to know a little bit more about you. Cause I feel like Again, you've had all these impressive results, but I feel like I don't hear your name talked about as often as some of the other top ladies in the sport. Uh-huh. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your background. You know, what did you do in college or are you still in college? I can't even remember how old you are. So I, um, I graduated college in 2019. Okay. So um, I was close. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, I'm going back to school again in the fall. So I'm kind of in this like transition period. Um, but in undergrad, I ran track and cross country at my university and I ran for three years. So actually to back it up a little bit in high school, I did all the sports basically. So I did tennis one year, I did soccer, softball, I did basketball up until high school. And then ultimately I found track and cross country and up till my, I was like 15 or 16, I didn't really think it was possible to compete in college just because no one in my area had ever really done it before. Um, so after I uh, started doing track and cross country, I kind of wanted to start specializing just because I wanted to get really good at one sport. So that sport happened to be track and field. So my sophomore year was the first time I did track. And I just remember I was a sprinter to start. And we didn't really have a lot of sprinters. And my coach wanted to win a lot of points at like these conference and county meets. So he put me in the 100, the 200, and probably like the four by one, four by two. And I remember I found success really early on. My first year, I made it to state in the 200 meters and the four by two. And then I kind of just progressively got better year after year. And then by the time I hit my junior year in high school, I won state in the 800 meters indoor. And I was second place in the 300 meter hurdles outdoor. So it was kind of an odd combination. And I feel like going into college, a lot of college coaches saw my unique skill set as um, an asset because I kind of was able to perform pretty well in the middle distance events as well as the shorter distance events. So after I stopped, after I started specializing in running in high school, I got um, recruited to go and run at college. And it was a very surreal and humbling experience uh, to get like letters in the mail from colleges who wanted you to come and join their program. So I ultimately chose a school in my home state. I'm from Illinois and I went to the University of Illinois and I ran three years there. I was mainly a middle distance runner. I dabbled in cross country um, when we didn't have enough girls uh, to compete in some of the bigger races. My third year, 
I, so I suffered through a lot of injuries, like in end of high school, early college, junior year, I got my worst injury and that was a fracture in my sacrum. And yeah, that took me out. Well, actually that ultimately took me out of competing like, like forever. So I went to the doctor and they said, you know, like it's, it's not safe for you to continue running anymore just because you're getting all these injuries. So I was done. So after my junior year, I couldn't run anymore. Um, I had no more eligibility in the NCAA. I had to sign a medical hardship form and everything. So yeah, so I stopped running my junior year of high school and I just take like six to seven months of just doing nothing. Um, so that was a pretty, pretty like self-revelatory experience because I kind of just you know, thought of myself as only an athlete for like a better part of a decade. And after that time period, I kind of had to reassess who I was as a person. So those time, that time off was kind of a blessing in disguise. Uh, when I finally got back into kind of slowly exercising again, I, I knew I wanted to do CrossFit just because I followed a lot of CrossFitters on Instagram. And I just thought like they looked cool and like fit and like shredded. And I was like, I kind of just want to do that. So after about a year after my injury, I just started getting into CrossFit and I loved it, but I also missed running a lot. And I mean, I was a pretty talented runner and I kind of had two interests. I wanted, I knew I wanted to combine into a sport. So I was doing CrossFit now at this point, I was maybe 20 years old, uh, 21 years old. And I was slowly starting to run again, maybe like 10 miles a week. And then I signed up for my first Spartan race at the end of 2018 with my sister, just for fun. It was a local Chicago one, I think Richmond, Illinois. And I just fell in love with it. I knew this was going to be something that was going to get me back on my feet uh, to start training again. Um, so I dedicated that winter to start training for these obstacle course races. And then came 2019, I ran my first competitive one in Texas. And I got second place. And then after that, I just knew that this was kind of like my second chance at athletics, basically. And then when I found High Rocks, I think my coach told me about this competition. I knew like it was exactly, I listened to uh, a lot of podcasts and I know that Bracken, Bracken Crocker mentioned one time that he would have been the national champion in a race, in a mile race, if they had 10 pull-ups after every lap. And I totally agree. And I feel that because I, I feel like I was a very well-rounded um, runner. Like I wasn't just good at running, but I could do a lot of other things. I love lifting and all this stuff. So I found myself, so now I'm uh, kind of just encapsulating all of my interests into OCR and high rocks. And that's where I'm at today. Awesome. Well, there's a lot of stuff I want to dive a little bit deeper onto in all the things you said. But first, there was a statement you made in there that, we actually talked about on the last podcast where I was talking about how there's not a lot of runners that cross over into OCR or, I mean, there, there are, but I expected there to be more than there actually are. Mm -hmm. So why is it that you crossed over and some of these other people are not crossing over? They're just staying with their track or cross country background. Yeah. So I think for me, uh, the reason why I crossed over was because I knew I wasn't going to be able to really run at a high level again, just because I couldn't, just because I was getting injured so many times in college and high school, I kept getting stress fractures. And um, I just felt like if I were to continue running like a high mileage that I would just keep getting injured. So for me, I kind of felt like I needed to do something a little bit different than just run. 
So instead of just doing these like linear movements um, of just running and pounding the pavement every day, I kind of wanted to transition over to something that used more dynamic and uh, more strength-based movements. So I personally transitioned because I didn't really want to get injured anymore. Not that I ever reached my ceiling, I don't think, when I was a runner, but I mean, I was kind of getting burnt out also. I mean, competing in at the Division One level, it, it was a full-time job, like for all three of my years. I mean, it was 20 to 25 hours a week that we would train. So I was getting a little burnt out of just straight up running. So I kind of wanted a little change in pace. And in regards to other people, I, honestly, I think runners are pretty stubborn. Like if you, if you want, <laughs> if you... Like, for an example, I have, a, I have a friend who's an amazing 5K runner. I think she can maybe run, like, 16 minutes. This is a girl. And she is so, like, single-focused like single on just improving her running times that I think if her, for her to transition over and doing something that's way out of her comfort zone is just something that she's not willing to do, at least right now. So I feel like for people, it's, it's a little odd for people to transition over at least when they're younger to OCR or high rocks because I feel like people want to live up to the potential in running before they decide to move on to something else okay that's a pretty good answer that's what we kind of discussed on the last episode referring Uh to like people as purists and not wanting yeah yeah and then you kind of also reminded me of you know if you're coming from a 5k background and you're really good Uh and then you're like all right now I'm gonna switch sports and go to something and you might, you know, even let's say you just say do it once for fun, you may yeah. find you're not very good, right? Like you can't do something like monkey bars. And yeah. I, I think a lot of runners lack complete upper body strength where they can't <laughs> even do something that I, you know, any of the three of us would be like, oh, well, that's easy. That's like basic OCR maneuvers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, when we were, we would go in the weight room maybe once or twice a week when I was in college and um, our strength coach would try to get us to do some pull-ups. <laughs> and it was just the funniest thing to see the, the, these like skinny cross country girls and guys who could barely hang onto the bar, let alone pull their bodies up. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like something like monkey bars, any sort of hanging bucket carries, sandbag carries, it's just things that I feel like they're not really well suited to, especially if you're just a pure, pure runner. And then I think some of the top OCR people, because they're used to running with runners or you know, maybe they come from a ninja background. They're used to training with ninjas and their obstacle proficiency. Sometimes talk themselves down. They're like, oh, well, I'm not that fast because I know insert name runs a 5K that's two minutes faster mm-hmm. than me. Of course, mm-hmm. he can't do a pull-up. So like, yeah. like I, I think, I think that, thing that, that makes High Rocks or OCR unique is the fact that we're fairly well-rounded and can combine a whole bunch of disciplines into a single sport and still do pretty well at all of them. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what kind of draw like drew me into the sport of OCR is because I, I kind of prided myself on being a well-rounded athlete, my whole like athletic career. So I just feel like this is the best sport that kind of like captured athleticism in general. I, I agree with, yeah, the, the all around um, athlete for that. And I had kind of a similar, you know, uh, history with like doing CrossFit and I was pretty decent at it. I'd do some local competitions and stuff, but I would always get schooled on the one max lifts or um, (laughs) the clean ladders or the deadlift ladders. Um, I could just never pull the weight that some of these other women did. I'd actually done a few OCRs before I got into CrossFit even, but I had already been kind of cross training like that. 
and that's when this word high rocks came about. I heard it on some podcasts. I'm like, what is this running and like gym type and CrossFit type of stuff in between. And my, I mean, I'm honest with myself, my, my abilities in um, OCR, they're always the ninja stuff that I struggle with. So the high rocks was kind of like the perfect thing for me to really go after and look at because I can run mm -hmm. and I can lift and do things, but I'm not real good at, at some of the, the technical things in CrossFit, you mm -hmm. know, like their gymnastics moves and then some of the ninja stuff in OCR, I, you know, I, I tend to struggle with a little bit too. So that's why I thought high rocks was just really cool. And then I met you in, in Dallas because I, w I remember hearing that you guys were going to do the doubles and then do the single competition right afterwards. And I yeah. was just in awe. I was standing there. You guys were like still breathing hard and you had to go do the pro women's division, you and Callie. And I remember talking to you guys afterwards. I was just like, I was just in awe. I was so, so excited to see like two women go after it like that. There's no man out there that did it that day. So I just thought that was just, it was so cool to, to see you guys do it too. <laughs> After that, after that day, I could <laughs> not walk for probably, like, six days. Like, I, it just destroyed me. Like, <laughs> and would I do it again? Probably. <laughs> so, I realized that I'm, we may be talking over some people's heads because some may not even be familiar with the details of High Rocks. Like, when it first came out, I just assumed it was, like, a TMX type thing where it's, like, workout stations and only, like, a mile long. So Morgan, explain what a full high rocks event looks like. Sure. So um, just kind of an overview, overview before I get into the details. It's basically a competition that combines functional fitness stations and endurance. And it looks like it has eight, um, it has eight 1000 meter running portions. And in between each 1K run, there's a functional fitness station. So you're going to start the race. Um, and you're, you're gonna run 1,000 meters. And that's typically a few laps around like a convention center or something, depending on where it's set up. And then after the 1,000 meter, you're gonna go into the center portion of the convention center and do your functional fitness station. So the first one is gonna be a 1,000 meter row. And then you're gonna go back out and run again. And then you're gonna come back in, in and do a sled push. And then I think it's the sled pull. And then, uh, you know, burpee broad order. jumps. Burpee broad jumps. Oh, the worst. Burpee yeah. broad jumps. Um, and then I know there's farmers carries. Is that the next one? Um, it's after the burpee broad jumps is the rowing. The skier gives oh, the first the thousand meter. Yeah. Okay, and then so it's yeah. And then it's yeah, the so farmer it's carries, sandbag lunges, and the big Kahuna, the hundred wall balls. Oh, the hundred wall balls. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the time I get to the hundred wall balls, I can only do sets of five or 10. Um, but you see the finish line, right? Like, so right when you drop your wall ball after your 100th, you just jog and try to cross the finish line. And I remember yeah. when I did the, when I did the doubles with Callie and Dallas, um, we were like right on the world record pace, like with our last like 20 or so wall balls. And after the, after the 20th, right after I finished it, dropped the wall ball. And I remember I could not, like, I couldn't physically move anymore. So I just kind of like crawl ran to the finish line. And then when we finished, we found out we missed it by a few seconds. So oh. that was a little disappointing, but yeah, I mean, we have some plans for the future to try and come back and take that record. Seeing you guys do the doubles competition, um, I'm definitely going to dabble in the doubles this year as well. I think with mixed, though, with a, a co-ed team. 
yeah i mean it was so fun and the, the crowd the crowd there is cool it's such a very it's a very um spectator friendly event unlike some ocrs um you can see the whole thing the whole time so yeah super hyped up the whole time and we had a blast yeah i mean it's an interesting format i think if ocr ever wants to be like live televised it has to do what high rocks does right where like all the obstacles are in the center of a yeah convention area and then you just do a lap on the outside you come in the middle do an obstacle or two mm-hmm. lap on the yep. you know and that gets you basically up to almost 10k with um i mean you can however many obstacles you can cram into the middle there so interesting concept yeah absolutely yeah love the concept very spectator friendly um and yeah i mean i definitely recommend it to anyone who's just slightly interested because they change the weights depending on what um like what, if you want to do the open wave or the professional wave, the weights are different depending on which one you sign up for. So, I mean, you can tailor it down to your needs and your fitness level, or you can go with the big boys, big girls and push that heavy sled. There was definitely some technique that I had to relearn at my second time doing it. So the first time, like I said, I did the open and I did okay, but I knew that going to the women's pro division, the weights go up exponentially. Oh, and yeah. I really had to, um, cause I'm not that big, you know, none <laughs> of the women ever are, but to put the sled push is about, um, I think 340 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then the sled pull is about 230 pounds. So I knew I had to have some, a different type of technique to push the sled instead of my traditional way of doing it. So I, I tried all mm-hmm. different ways and I would time myself. And so it was fun learning how to do things more efficiently, just like with OCR, you know, mm-hmm. you can do monkey bars and the rigs more efficient than, you know, certain different ways. So it was, it was fun learning that as well. And then you could always, you can replicate the stuff at home and time mm-hmm. yourself and, and, and see how you do with that as well. Yeah. And that's the thing that I really like about high rocks is, you can specifically train for it. Like, you know exactly what you're going to be getting into when you go to a race. Uh, if you're doing something like an OCR, usually you don't know exactly what's going to be there. Um, you can kind of prepare. And if you know, like, the obstacles and how long you're going to be running, um, you can train that way. But that's what I really like about High Rocks. Like, you can compare your time from a year ago to today and see how much you've improved. Right. And it's, I mean, it's all indoors. So essentially, environment control conditions everything's standardized yeah. so like mm-hmm. if oc if an ocr type event was going to go to the olympics i think this would be it right or yeah or i mean you could even call this i would consider this more like endurance crossfit or endurance functional fitness yeah. whatever it's like crossfit's a brand name right um but right yeah yeah consider it more endurance functional fitness mm-hmm. than i would consider it like obstacle course racing even yeah. though some yeah. of the cross some of the obstacles or events you do are obstacle-ish so yeah, yeah. They do a really nice job with like, with ranking system too. You know, everybody is into stats and, and data and those sorts of things. So, I mean, you can look up where you've ranked in just your thousand meter row or your burpee broad jumps. Like every single um, event is you're ranked in. Like you're ranked overall in the pro, you're ranked overall pro age group. You can be ranked like, did I what did I do fastest at? I knew I was really good at burpee broad jumps. So I was like, I got to get in the top five of the burpee broad jumps out of those women, you know, so you can look up things like that. And then you can look up um, your rankings worldwide. Where did you end up like me against women from Germany and wherever Switzerland or something. So you can see mm-hmm. where you rank. And 
that type of, I mean, that's marketing and all that good stuff, but that's awesome feedback for people. So I know OCR struggles with ranking because there's so many, you know, different uh, brands. Well, not so many anymore, but um, I think that's part of the, the draw to it as well as they do a really yeah. nice job of ranking and, and data that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my, my two cents quickly on that is I just love the fact that they give you splits on like exactly how fast you were at each station. So I know that personally, my worst one is the burpee broad jumps super slow at those. I don't want to make excuses, but I'm really tall. So it's hard for me to get down and up. Right. And <laughs> that's my, that's my best one because I'm very short. <laughs> <laughs> So it's cool because I know in um, my first one I did in New York, I was just horrendous at the burpee drop broad jumps, but I knew because of that data point that that's something I could take a lot of time off on. So by the time I went to Chicago and then Dallas, I slowly but incrementally improved on that specific uh, workout station. That is, that's super cool. I like that. Now, you know, with COVID-19 and all the cancellations been going on, I haven't been following High Rocks, but I'd imagine everything is postponed or canceled? What's the, what's the plans for High Rocks? Is there anything that's currently active on the schedule? Um, so, Starting in the fall. Yeah, exactly. So their first, their first race is this uh, September in Los Angeles. So I, right now it's still on, but I'm not too sure if there's going to be an update on that. But yeah, their, their season starts in the fall and then goes until early spring. It'll go until early spring of 2021. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, and I know Kelly could talk more about this, but I know they just had a, a virtual Spartan, I mean, not Spartan, High Rocks at home competition. I didn't yeah. partake in it, um, just honestly, because I didn't know it was happening. And I would love to do it if they do another one. But yeah, so they're kind of integrating the community a little bit by doing uh, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, the High Rocks at home series was, I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty cool. It was something to keep me on track. You know, just something to look forward to each week and mm -hmm. to compete against yourself. But again, they give you rankings and age group and overall. Um, and it was a five-week, it was a five-week series. And each week you would get a workout and then you submit your scores. And if you were in the top 10 overall, then they made you um, submit your video of it. Mm -hmm. So I was in the top 10 several times just overall with the women. I didn't think I was going to be. And then I get this email, Kelly, we need your video submission. I'm like, oh, okay. So I redid a few of them. <laughs> but then after that, I just kept recording them, knowing that I had to submit the video for proof. Um, so, I mean, you know, people could have cheated a little bit, I'm sure, on some of their reps or not going quite low enough. But they were very challenging. You know, some were six minutes long. Some were 20 minutes long um, on the series. And then at the end, they had the top three people, top three men, top three women do a live, um, a live showdown, you know, that was on YouTube and it was, and it was commentated. It was, it was done really well. It was super fun. Um, and that was interesting to watch the people then. And if you, if you were lying at all with your scores, it would have showed <laughs> on live to, or on live YouTube. That's for sure. So it ended with that and they gave away like a ski erg and all sorts of other prizes Yeah, you know, just for this at home series. I mean, and it didn't cost anything to enter, nothing oh. to enter. And there was 5,000 people that entered it. And they said that about 2,500 were like new to, new to high rocks. They've never done it before. So I, I don't know where they pulled all those people from, but you know, most of us were competitors at a high rocks and that's why I knew about it. 
That's yeah, probably and I, CrossFit people or friends of yeah, High Rocks and friends of CrossFit people that were like, oh, online competition, I'm in. <laughs> right. I, I watched it and it was so professionally well done. I loved the yeah. commentating that they got. They got MK, uh, MK on there, who was mm-hmm. the previous world record holder. Uh, the owner, Mo, was on there. They were all commentating and it was just very professionally set up and uh, done really well. And I know if they have another one, which I'm pretty sure they're going to be uh, doing in a few weeks here that I'm going to definitely sign up because I really want to try and win that skier. <laughs> That's something I I'm like, that is insane. Like what an awesome prize. It's way better yeah. than like, here's your t-shirt and hat. Like we're going to give you a skier. So hundred percent going to sign up. Um, yeah. And it was worldwide too. You know, there was, yeah. um, you know, Americans there, uh, I think it was, well, Lauren and then a gentleman from Chicago. There's a guy that won but there was, you know, people from Germany and then I forget where the other gentleman was from, but you know, there's a few language, you know, the language things they spoke in English on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, so it was interesting that way too, very international feel, um, right. with all of that. And I still, my daughter and I watched it together and we still, whenever we work out together, if you watched it, <laughs> Morgan would Moses, mm-hmm. burpee time, it's burpee time, everybody. <laughs> he, there's this That's one iconic. workout. Yeah. In one workout, Evan, where every like 60 seconds, they had to do five, just stop what they were doing and do five burpees. And so the commentator would come in, he has this Germanish accent and it was just hilarious. He must've said it 80 times, I swear. And so we, I never say burpee without an accent anymore. (laughs) Thanks to, thanks to Mo for that one. That's funny. That's funny. (laughs) Give us a couple examples of some of the workouts you had to do for it. Um, I... Give me a sec. I got them pulled up here. <laughs> I knew you'd ask me that. Um, so the first one was called All You Got. They had names for each one. So it was two minutes of max effort burpees, one minute rest, and then it's two minutes of max effort, air, like an air squat, one minute rest, two minutes of max effort sit-ups, and those were like the butterfly CrossFit style sit-up, one minute rest, and then two minutes of max effort lunges. And then your score is your total reps. So that was all you got. Workout number two was called How Far Can You Go? So this one, this one was the worst. Um, it was, you set a running clock, okay? And on minute one, you do 10 air squats and one burpee. And then on minute two, you do 10 squats and two burpees. Minute three, 10 squats, three burpees minute four, 10 squats, four burpees. And you keep going up in minutes until you can't finish that amount of burpees within that minute. Oh. So your burpees get, you know, you still have to do those 10 air squats and then you have to finish all those burpees. That one, I almost made 19 rounds. I mean, you're just, you're sucking wind as as hard (laughs) as you can. That one, that one was probably my, the heart, like my least favorite was that one. At the beginning, it's simple. You do one burpee, but at 19 minutes, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be gassed out. Um, and then workout three, I'll give the other one. It was 50 shades, 50 shades of home workout. So <laughs> this was like a four time. It was 50 sit-ups, 50 squats, 50 push-ups, and then 50 bar over burpees. And they gave you the specific height it had to be that you had to jump over. So again, it's all, um, body weight stuff or things you can do in your home without equipment as well. That was the, you know, the premise for it as well. But they're, these are all out. These are all out red, red line efforts, you know, the whole time. 
Yeah, um, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I. I don't think I'd actually be very good at these. I, I'm hearing a lot of burpees. Um, that's something oh, yeah. I need to work on. <laughs> and, and jumping lunges. Ooh, lots of jumping oh, lunges geez. too. Yeah, those are the short. <laughs> the short burner workouts are always the hardest. Oh yeah, we did tuck jumps. We did jumping lunges, burpees. You did these um, <laughs> different kind of sit up things. And then there was like a twenty, the twenty minute AMRAP that had jumping jacks in it. And you know, really like jumping jacks. You do 50 jumping jacks over and over and over again, your calves get a little, they get a little yeah. uh, pumped out. So it was like 50 jumping jacks, 50 squats, 50 jumping jacks, 40 burpees, 50 jumping jacks, 30 lunges, 50 jumping wow. jacks, 20 sit-ups, 50 jumping jacks, 10 push-ups. And then you keep going for 20 minutes, however. And there's some people that got in like three rounds. Um, I got like, uh, or four rounds, you know, I, I almost made it four rounds. It's something like that, but it was... They, they were all out red line efforts to be competitive. <laughs> now, Morgan, I want to know a little bit more about your training. Obviously, you have a long history and background of running. And then mm-hmm. it sounds like you had a nice periodized section where like you were or a couple months or years where you're focusing on CrossFit. Now that mm-hmm. you're focusing on high rocks, what's your weekly training schedule look like? Uh, so previous to previously to covid i was doing about three days a week i would just do low intensity for an hour to an hour and a half just running i would get on the rower or i would go on the elliptical or the bike i would just do low intensity moderate heart rate uh just sessions where i was just kind of grinding it out for a little bit uh about two one to two days a week i would do high rock specific workouts so these would include um intervals uh kind of amrap sessions so maybe like a 30 minute AMRAP where I'm doing 20 wall balls, uh, 20 weighted lunges and like 20 deadlifts. Uh, so just kind of specific high rocks type workouts. Um, and then also a few days a week, I would still incorporate like some CrossFit movements. Um, I still want to like improve my CrossFit. So I've been working on trying to snatch. That's a movement I literally just could never figure out. I think my shoulder mobility is just horrendous. Uh, so I'm still incorporating, um, a bunch of CrossFit, uh, and heavy lifting, but I try to minimize my amount of miles I'm running each week, just because I know that's something that kind of hurt me in the past. Um, increasing my mileage is something that's not really good for me personally. Uh, so I do stick to a lot of cross training. Um, and during this time, during this COVID period, I've been kind of increasing my volume on the cross training machines specifically. I got a rower, which has been awesome to the home gym collection. Um, and I've been putting in a solid amount of volume in that specifically. Um, and it's also high rock specific because there's a 1000 meter row in the high rock competitions. So I've been doing a lot of body weight workouts just because I don't really have any weights at home. Um, but I bought myself a pull up bar. Um, I have a wall ball and I've been kind of just doing like increasing my volume, like I said, but kind of just throwing in spurts of like shorter, high intensity exercises when I can with the equipment I have available right now. All right. Now, Morgan, you've had great success in OCR as judged by your 2019 season. And then on top of that, you've had a lot of success in high rocks. What does the future look like, assuming everything goes back to normal and we start racing again? Right. Yeah, I'm hoping that too. Um, I would say for the future, I'm going to try to focus a little bit more on high rocks, I think specifically. Um, One of my main goals for the 2020 or 2021 season is to do another doubles competition with my partner, Callie. 
And we really, really want to try and get that world record. Um, back in Dallas, when we tried to break it the first time, um, it was broken that same day in Germany, and which was just insane. Because in our minds, we had this goal set that we were going to try to break 60 minutes, which was around the previous world record. And we had to shave off three minutes from that original goal. Um, so now that we kind of know how the doubles um, doubles works in regards to the Hyrax competition, we want to go back and try and get that world record. Um, and then also individually, I'd like to uh, continue doing Hyraxes um, and then also focus on some Spartan races, but kind of just kind of do things that are more up my alley. So I'd like to do the stadium series. Like, I don't know if that's going to be a thing in 2020, but I guess when 2021 comes, that's kind of something I'm looking at more. Uh, I did a, I did a stadium this summer or this past fall, and it was just so fun. Kind of similar to CrossFit or High Rocks, where it was just first running and then a fitness station. So I feel like I'm going to try to do more things that kind of are up my alley and fit my interests and strengths a little bit more. Sounds like a great plan. I think that's a very smart move. I mean, you're, you've had a lot of success at OCR, but with High Rocks, I think you're, you know, next level on top of the already high level you're at at OCR, right? I think that's, I think that's a better better move for you so thank you thank you i'm looking forward to see what things you can do in the future and um yeah i think it i can't wait to see where where you take this and the things you accomplish so that'll be exciting yeah and i think a cool a cool thing about high rocks is it's it's so brand new at least the united states so i just see them growing and flourishing and i'm hoping to uh be there as it grows as it continue to grow as a company yeah it's a good plan gearing towards um more high rocks events you know as whatever seasons <laughs> open <laughs> up for sure too i just i just really really enjoyed it and it was definitely more it was in my wheelhouse i know i've done all sorts of things you know from world's toughest mutter to you know shorter courses and stadiums and stuff but um it kind of lit a fire again i am an og i guess my first ocr was in 2011 so I've been doing it for a while and you know sometimes you just need to change up things a little bit and it's still fiercely competitive um and I can still compete in it at my wonderfully young age so I was I was happy to to see it out there so I'm definitely going to do more high rocks gotcha Morgan we can get into this or we can we can not talk about it. I know we've talked about it previously in text message and mm-hmm. you mentioned a bunch of the injuries you had in the past uh, mm-hmm. Did you want to talk more about where that stemmed from and kind of how you overcame that? Yeah, let's do it. I feel like a, a lot of people would benefit from hearing from some things I feel like I went through. Okay. So yeah, just take it away. and Sure thing. So uh, when I went into college, I knew that I really, really, really wanted to be a Big Ten champion. Like that was my main goal. Like when I got recruited to start running at the University of Illinois, I had coaches and they were phenomenal. And they told me that, you know, when I start, when I step foot on this campus, they're going to do what they can to try and make me a Big Ten champion. And I really, really believed in them. And I believed in myself and I had a lot of confidence in my ability as a runner. And what I realized is I had teammates who were also very talented runners. Um, one of them was an All-American. She was a 5K runner, a 10K runner. And um, I really looked up to her as a source of inspiration. And what I realized is all the good runners in the NCAA, like all the good distance runners were 
generally a little bit smaller than me. Like I was never like a petite person. Like I always carried a little bit more muscle than a lot of other distance girls. So what I started doing was I was like, you know, if I want to be a fast runner, I'm got to have to be smaller basically. Um, and my physiology wasn't really meant to lose all the muscle that I kind of had on my body. So I started kind of restricting my calories, like pretty slowly my freshman year. Um, but by the time I went into my sophomore year, I went to the Olympic trials in Eugene, Oregon, just to watch. And I realized like, okay, I, I want to be like as competitive as possible. And I feel like to do that, I need to be thin. So what I started kind of doing was like having these bouts of in periods of time where I would just not eat a lot or, and I would just over-exercise just because I wanted to be fast. And for me, I would correlate being fast with just being smaller. So by the time I stepped foot on campus for my sophomore year, I was probably the smallest I'd ever been, but I was also like running extremely fast. I remember we, one particular workout that sticks out in my mind was I did a five mile it was supposed to be a tempo, but it ended up being kind of a race. It was a five mile race and I hit six minutes per mile for all those five miles. And that was just crazy for me. Like I was never really a big long distance runner, but I was like, you know what, maybe I should just continue this eating pattern and I'm doing really good in running. Um, but because of that, like, because of how I was treating my body, I started to get a bunch of injuries. So my sophomore year, I had a, I think a stress fracture in my metatarsal and then I would just take time off, but I would just cross train excessively, um, not nourishing my body as well as I should have. And then when I would come back to training, I would just go back to my bad habits of not eating enough and then get injured again. So then I got a stress fracture in my shin and then another one in my shin uh, the summer going to my junior year. And then I started to kind of realize like what I was doing to myself. Um, I talked to a lot of people, uh, sports psychologists, I talked to dietitians, and I was never transparent about what I was doing to myself, to any of them. But I knew at the back of my head that what I was doing was I just wasn't eating enough. And that's partial, like part of the reason, or probably a majority of the reason why I was getting injured so much. Um, but no one knew cause I kind of just kept it to myself. Um, cause I was never underweight though. Like I was, I was still in normal weight during this time. It was just, I was I'm tall um, and I'm like not meant to be like extremely like skinny basically so I was still in a normal weight range so no one like had any red flags go up for that um, so after my junior year I started to realize that if I wanted to have longevity in the sport I need to not be injured anymore so I started uh, it was it was a long process I'm, I'm talking like this it was like overnight but it was a long process of me starting to get more comfortable with eating a little bit more. And going into my junior year of college, I started to develop healthier eating patterns, but I still had lingering issues with injuries. And I distinctly remember doing this one workout on the track and my glutes were really sore from doing 200 meter repeats. I remember I was getting ready to race a 600 meters indoors and the last 200 like the, the last like 50 meters of our last 200, I just could not finish. Like my glute just like locked up. Something was, I knew something was really wrong. And I just told my coach, you know, I'm feeling sore. Something's not right. And then the next day I couldn't really walk anymore. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Went to our athletic trainer. Athletic trainer sent me to the doctor. The doctor was like, 
like palpating my spine area, um, my sacral area. And was like, you know what, like you probably should get an MRI. So go to the hospital for like my sixth MRI of my college career. And they told me that I had a stress fracture in my sacrum. And I was just shocked because at this point I was doing everything I felt like I should be doing to get healthier, basically. Um, I was eating more. I was training less because that was something that I was just, I was just overly obsessed with training because I just, I wanted to be the best and that's what I thought I had to do. Um, So after that injury, I, the doctor told me that I wasn't going to be allowed to run anymore in the big 10. And I didn't even know what that meant, but I had to sign a form and I lost all my eligibility because I got too injured. So there was a period of time, like six months, I couldn't walk, like I couldn't do anything. Like I had to drive my car to my, to all of my classes. Cause I couldn't walk on it. I had to use crutches. Um, this was in the winter time in Illinois. So there's just ice everywhere. It was just, I was so miserable. And I just kept thinking like, wow, I literally did this to myself. Like if I would have treated myself better, if I would have fueled myself properly, if I would have just done what my coach told me to do and not do more, I would not have been in this position. So after about six months of just kind of like sitting, like literally just sitting and doing nothing, I started to realize things that I did wrong in college, like not eating enough, like not fueling properly, like exercising way too much. Um, and I realized like if, if I were to ever go back into sports that I would treat myself a lot better. Cause at that point I really didn't know that I was going to compete ever again, just cause I was so injured all the time. So once I did start to slowly get back into the swing of things, when I started lifting again, when I started running again, very slowly, I knew what I had to do to treat myself better. Cause I didn't want to put myself in that situation where I was on crutches for six months. Um, so it was a long journey of, uh, uh, I'm still going through it today of just like trying to fuel myself properly, um, learning from all my past mistakes and trying to help people if they're going through something similar. Gotcha. Well, I'm, thanks for sharing. That's hopefully that, that can help some people. And I can see, you know, from an athlete's perspective, I can see where you're coming from. Whereas like, all right, if I weigh X and I'm a couple pounds lighter, I'm going to be faster. And that's, mm-hmm. that's true. And then it, there's, there's a tipping point where now mm-hmm. you're getting, you're getting injured and, you know, you can't recover because you're not having the, the necessary nutrients for your, for your muscles, or, you know, in this case, your, your bones to uh, recover properly from all the stress. And then it, yep. it basically starts spiraling out of control but at this point you've already you've already gone past the you know the uh, performance benefits at that point so right yeah I mean you said it you nailed it like I I knew that if I wanted to be a little bit faster I just had to lose a little bit of weight but that kind of just spiraled down into oh let's lose as much weight as I can and see how fast as I can get because I saw all these girls running in the big 10 or in the NCAA and they were just good but they were thin. So that's like what I thought, like, you know, if I want to be fast, um, I just got to lose weight. And it, I mean, it did work, but it was just a very, very temporary benefit that did not work in the long run. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's come up twice in, like, it would come up in the obstacle course racing world once in a pretty big way in the last year or two. And then also in the, in the running world with uh, Mary Kane accusing mm-hmm. uh, Alberto Salazar and his whole crew at the Nike Oregon project of basically being like, essentially calling her too fat, even though she's like stick thin. 
and was setting like world records in high school or maybe not world records, but she was, she was breaking significant records yeah. in high school. Yeah, uh-huh. And then she went the, when she switched over the, the Nike project, she basically fell off the face of the earth for a couple of years. Um, yeah. Which was pretty wild uh, for those yeah. of you who follow running. Yeah. That just goes to show also that you need to really have a good support system to like help you get through things, whether it be like, getting your nutrition back on track or mental health or just any sort of issue. It's so important to have a group of people that are there for you and willing to support you through like whatever struggles that you're going through. I just appreciate you sharing that story um, because I think some people still are a little uninformed about the fueling properly and things like that. And it's not always women that it happens to, but it, it seems to be a theme that way. And a lot of times people get stuffed into certain categories of, you know, eating disorders and things like that. And, you know, like you said, you weren't super transparent with people. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest thing to do is to be able to just be honest with yourself and then honest with other people without having the fear of repercussions. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, someone might be afraid, maybe going through that, but they may be afraid. But even that little knowledge that you just said, maybe they can help get themselves out of that bad path. And, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, when there's a sacral fracture, that's, yeah, that, that means it's, it's been going on for a long time and those sorts of things. I I work, I work in sports medicine. And so whenever you hear those things, you know, that it's, it's a significant injury. And like you said, it, it, it stopped you in your tracks. So I really just appreciate you sharing that because I think it can help it can help a lot of people, whether it's women or men, hear those sorts of stories and then know that you you can achieve what you want by not going over the deep end with um, weight and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. At that point, when I got injured my last time, I just needed to be like blunt and honest with myself. Like, what was I doing wrong? Like, I knew I was doing things wrong. But at that point, like my running career was taken away from me because of things I did to myself. So it was just a matter of being honest and then starting to open up to people just to try and get help and move on from just what was happening. And for the, if any of you want to hear it from a male perspective, we actually had Matt Hansen on the podcast, uh, who's muscular and, you know, world's toughest motor competitor and, you know, top five, I think multiple times. And he, he's gone through an eating disorder also. So uh, if you want to hear it from the male perspective, you can go back and listen to the Matt Hansen episode. And you look at him, he's not someone who you'd be like, oh, yeah, he definitely has an eating disorder. You're like, you do? Like, what? That's not – like, it completely doesn't look like it um, at all. So, or, you know, at least now he's obviously doing a lot better now than it was a couple years ago before. So, all right, I think we're going to start wrapping things up and kind of end it on a little bit of a lighter note. Um, but, again, thank you for sharing that with us. So. We have three people. Let's tell one thing people would be surprised to know about you. So Morgan, you can go first and then we'll go Kelly and then I'll go again. Okay. Um, So one thing that people would probably be surprised is my dream job. Like if I were to have any sort of career, regardless of how much money I can make is to be the owner and operator of my own haunted house. (laughs) <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so good. Oh, that's a good one. Like I, for the, my favorite movie is Halloween. Um, I'm a huge, huge horror fan. I love scaring people and I love being scared. Oh. Myself. <laughs> 
so, so that's good. something I feel like no one would have any idea just by looking at me that that's my dream job. <laughs> so no, would I would sh- would not have guessed that. <laughs> I know. When you say horror fan, do you still follow like all the horror movies now, or are you like, you know, eighties, nineties, early two thousands type stuff? Yeah, eighties, nineties, early two thousands. I mean, when there's a new horror movie out, I'll see it for sure. But okay. I mean, back in like the set, like I think Halloween was made in the set, like seventy nine. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, seventy nine sounds right. Yeah, the or- the original Halloween is my favorite yeah, movie Jamie ever. Out of, yeah. Yep, out of any genre. And I just grew up watching it. My dad and I watch it every single year when I was from like eight or nine on. <laughs> so I think that kind of just sparked my interest in horror and I'm just the biggest horror fan but yeah definitely like older yeah 80s 90s gotcha all right <laughs> I, I got it I'm all excited about mine now because I got one all right Kelly <laughs> you, you can go next I was just gonna say should I think of like what my dream job should be or go with my <laughs> original thought um I would I'll go I'll, I'll do both um so I would say like my dream job would have been to be like in like videos doing like the backup dancing or like on live shows like doing like back like a yeah, backup dancer for like j-lo or like um something something like that i would have been a dancer on stage doing that that's what my dream job would have been are you a um, dancer i was um in the past yes <laughs> a long oh, time ago cool. yeah <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> um but what i was gonna say is something people might not know about me and i found out that there's a name for this. So sometimes people have like little like pet peeves or things they don't like that other people do. And I'm a pretty mm-hmm. laid back person. I just am. I'm very accepting. But I get like a twitch when people whistle. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't like the sound of whistling. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I just don't like it. And it's called misophonia. That's like when you get angry when you hear a certain noise or like people don't like the sound of like a bag of rustling chips or something but yeah whistling yeah. I just I don't do well with whistling so if anybody <laughs> sees me in a race and starts whistling next to me <laughs> don't you'll start do twitching it. yeah don't do it <laughs> interesting all right well for the whistling connection I used to be able to whistle as a little boy and now I can't anymore so uh, my wife likes well, to make fun. I'll hang out with you yeah my wife <laughs> likes to make fun of me because I can't whistle like I don't it's just it's just not my mouth doesn't make that shape anymore. So, <laughs> and for the Morgan one, I was growing up. I was obsessed with horror. I, like after about two thousand, I basically lose interest, which is why I asked the eighties yeah. nineties question. Yeah. But like I was obsessed in um, elementary school and high school, and every year for it was about five years, me and my friend would turn our basement, my base, my parents' basement, and my parents' upstairs into a haunted house, and we'd have a oh. Halloween, we'd have a Halloween party. And we'd bring over like five or six of our friends and we'd run them through the haunted house. And it'd be like a little show. But yeah, I love wow. 80s, 90s horror. Like <laughs> Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, yep. Halloween, yep. Hellraiser, yep. Psycho, like kind of yeah. my- Yeah. Oh, those are classics. Yeah. Those are my go-tos. When people say, what's your favorite movie? It's any, any one of those. Love all those. Once oh, hit- see, Morgan, you would have liked, I've, this sparked a memory. It was one of the back in the days when Dirt Runner was still around. They did a zombie OCR race, and I got to be one of like the zombies that took the flags off of people. Oh, so! I'm gonna cool. send you. I'm gonna send you some pictures because I did myself. Up yeah, good. that was super fun. But yeah, that was out at dirt runners during the day. But we did. It was like a 5K OCR with zombies <laughs> chasing you, and you had um, football flags on. You know, you had to pull them off. So yeah, you would have loved that. 
Oh, I, I would have dropped everything I was doing and gone to that race wherever it was. Yeah, that was back in the day. <laughs> oh, awesome. So, so some more fun random horror stuff. Uh, I went to the Boy Scout camp where the original Friday the 13th was filmed. Oh my God! Yeah, Camp Noby Bosco up in I think it's New Jersey. It's been a, it's been a hot minute since I've been there, but um, that's that's creepy. Yeah, I, I've got a, I've got a film canister of the lake water from there, which I haven't opened. Oh, in, I don't know, twenty years, wow. thirty years. So it's in my closet. Um, wow, Evan, that's that have, is awesome. I have a model of the Hellraiser box, obviously. Um, I do, mm. I dressed up as the Chatterer, the Cenobite from Hellraiser for um <laughs> halloween at school one year and i did i did Candyman a different year but Candyman from the book not from the movie who's like uh-huh. more like a pale uh white dude with bees on him and wearing plaid very odd type of outfit <laughs> but yeah so I was, that's why i was so excited when you you mentioned the horror stuff so. yeah that is awesome good stuff all right i think that about wraps it up oh we were gonna do a sh- we we're gonna do an episode brought to you by uh, our sponsor, and I totally forgot because we got sidetracked so quick. So this episode was brought to you by VJ Shoes. So VJ Shoes, kind of, in my opinion, kind of burst onto the obstacle course racing scene in the last year uh, with a lot of great products. I don't know how long they've actually been around, but you know, I just picked up a pair of their VJ Shoes Extreme, and when I put them on and I was walking around my house, it like the soles felt like sticky, like almost like I was sticking to my. <laughs> my floor as I was walking around. I've taken them for runs fresh out of the box, basically up to 10 miles at this point with absolutely no issue. And I've been waiting for OCR season to kick back off so I can actually get a a proper test and a full use of them. But so far I'm really loving them. Yeah, I'd say when I first put them on, they felt a little bit narrow around my uh, foot. But again, after wearing them for a little bit, they loosened up and now they feel as comfortable as any of my other running shoes. And I know uh, Morgan, you're a fan of VJ, so uh, share some of your insights, please. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, VJ is the only shoes I'll uh, wear to run an OCR race, and they just came out with the new VJ X Speeds, which are like a light, a lightweight racing flat, and I had the opportunity to race in them at the Dallas High Rocks. So even in an indoor event, um, like you said, Evan, like the, the sole is just so grippy that I had no problem even pushing like a – 340 pound sled um, on carpet. I had no issues slipping whatsoever. So regardless if you're running an OCR, if you're running a high rocks or a Decafit, um, I think it's such a versatile, well-rounded shoe. And like I said, it's the only shoe I ever wear if I'm racing an OCR outside. Cool. And let's start wrapping it up. So before we go, we'll start off with Kelly. Any final shout outs you want to give family, friends, sponsors, et cetera? I am an ambassador for Honey Stinger and um, FNX uh, supplements. Um, I definitely use both of those to fuel for all of my all of my endeavors. Um, I always want to thank my family for always helping out with putting up with my craziness. And then um, my Alpha teammates, Alpha Racing One, shout out to all of them. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Have you had the regular honey from Honey Stinger? Not like the supplement? Like just no, a, I've never tried the regular honey. Just get the regular honey. It's good. It's like legit mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Highly okay. recommend I do. I use honey a lot, so I will try that. All right, Morgan, any shout outs, family, friends, sponsors, and where people can find you on social media? Sure. Uh, first off, shout out to VJ Shoes. Just like I said, um, the best shoe in OCR. 
Um, also a shout out to my mom because she throws the spear with me. We have the spear set up in the backyard. I taught her how to throw a spear and she's been such a good sport about learning how to throw. Um, also shout out to High Rocks because just recently I became one of their High Tribe ambassadors as an athlete for 2020, 2021. Oh, nice. Yes. So that's just a new thing in the making. Um, yeah, just shout out to everyone who's kind of helped me kind of in, invited me into the sport into OCR and High Rocks. Um, and if you want to follow me or my journey, you can follow me on Instagram at morgan.shoals. Cool. And as always, teamstrengthspeed.com has Blegmit Lights, Blegmit Extremes, and all of my OCR books for sale up there. Also have digital copies of almost everyone except for Strength and Speed Guide to the Obstacle Course Racing. Um, so digital hard copies of those. And my biography, Ultra OCR Man, is available on Audible as well as digital and hard copy. And if anyone gets bored and wants to browse around Amazon, I just opened pre-order for something else I've been working on with the help of some friends. So you can go find my author page and click on some of the books I've written and you should be able to see a sneak peek of what's releasing later in 2020. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right, thanks again for coming on. It's great talking to both of you and looking forward to seeing you both again once race season resumes. Yeah, right, thanks, thanks for having us, Evan. All right, thanks Evan. Later.